Welcome to the first episode of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengis, and we're hosted on GeekAid.com. What's your geek? On this show, we talk about magic, Dungeons and Dragons, board games, and everything in between. And welcome to the first episode. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> right? Finally, after all this time. All this time. Uh, well, you guys don't know, yeah. but we've been trying to do this for a while. We've been trying to do this for a great <laughs> while. Uh, we really have to thank Geekade.com and specifically Evan Goldstein for this opportunity. Thanks, Evan. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, we would be remiss not to also plug real quick Garden State Comic Fest coming up in July. July. Yes. Yeah. You can uh, contact them for your tickets. You can look online. It is the biggest comic convention here in New Jersey. That's right. Uh, so, kind Not of... Not many of those these days. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, on to our first topic, Magic the Gathering. So, Oath the of the Gatewatch came out. Um, what are your thoughts on Oath of the Gatewatch? Um, pretty solid set. Uh, I like the lore behind it. <laughs> it definitely had a lot of interesting beats. All the Planeswalkers coming together. Kind of, you know, saying their oaths to protect the planes and everything. And, you know, just trying to stop the Eldrazi threat. Uh, Card-wise, definitely a, a lot of interesting... Uh, not really, like, crazy on the mechanic-wise. Right. But definitely a lot, you know, solid foundation. A lot of solid cards. Uh, which And, you know, a lot of uh, things that changed the format. Well, changed a lot of formats around. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, you know, the one thing about Oath of the Gate Watch that I, I really found... Um, kind of different and weird is this is the first time that wizards has started this new block structure they're doing uh if you remember it used to be every set every block had three sets in it uh they had you know the big set that would come out in september kind of a small set in like the january february range and then the third larger set uh sort of late spring then summer would be the core set and then repeat the process. Now that they got rid of the core sets, um, if you remember, they've talked about how they're only doing just two set blocks and everything is sort of big. There is no like real small set per se. So Oath yeah. of the Gatewatch is the first of like this complete two block or excuse me, two set block. block. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I find it interesting um, because even... Even with that scheme, I guess the reason I bring this up, I wasn't motivated to buy a lot of both of the Gatewatch. No, I mean, they're definitely, well, really? Are you sure? I mean, yeah. Like, I only bought a fat, I mean, I normally buy a box. I only bought a fat pack. But I mean, I mean, I guess we can, lands. you know, get to it. You know, yeah, the lands, specifically colorless lands. Yeah, I mean, colorless I mean- <laughs> lands. All right, so um, for those of you that don't know, Oath of the Gatewatch came out with colorless basic lands uh, a game changer in magic for the longest well, time one color well one type of colors that's true called wastes um for the longest time wizards of the coast had talked about maybe adding a sixth color to magic yeah. but the rules would be irreparably damaged uh maybe not irreparably damaged but uh definitely uh it'd be changed a lot yeah the scape the whole landscape of magic would definitely be uh shook up and it would take so much adjusting so much balancing uh not so much what color would they use i've joked about purple lands for the longest time been like ah yes purple magic (laughs) yes the color of the color of the unicorns (laughs) the blurgle blurgle. (laughs) um (laughs) but you know i i i did like the i like the idea of colorless lands i like the idea that colorless mana now has a symbol. Yeah. 
That's it's an interesting a, concept. A shiny diamond. But <laughs> as a whole, outside of that, like I looked at the set and I don't know, I just maybe it's just the time of year for me. Maybe you just like winter is not my magic buying season. No, definitely a lot of people their wallets will be a little dry, especially after Christmas. Right. So it's very uh maybe maybe not poor timing per se. Right. But uh, definitely not the best time to... Uh, but, I mean, they, they spice it up with expeditions. They try to make you worth it to buy these packs. Well, I mean, obviously... Because you will get value out of it well, in mean, one way or another. If you get an expedition. That's true, like, but that's, the, that's the, you know... <laughs> but, I mean, like, I just... I remember when the spoilers started to filter out and someone had leaked the first wastes. And and I think they also... It was very was controversial. Like, and, um, yeah, and everybody was just, uh, you know, or was it, uh, was Kozlik in this Yeah, Kozlik, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and they leaked it out, and people... Ulamog was the previous set. Right. People thought, you know, this was fake, the whole diamond symbol and colorless. And I guess at first, so did I, until I, I sort of understand what it meant. I didn't understand that they were just replacing... They were they were defining what, what colorless was. What like, was once before a circle with a little asterisk inside is now a circle with a little diamond inside. Well, I mean, it had, it used to be a circle with a number. Yeah. But that still exists. That just means it. The the definition is now if it's a circle with a number, it can be paid with any color mana, including colorless. So if I think it you is Pokemon a Pokemon there for a second, I think so. Oh. If it was, a, <laughs> if it's a diamond. Then it must be paid specifically with colorless mana. mana. Mm-hmm. It cannot be a colored mana. Yeah. So that distinction is very, very interesting. And um, also, you know, something I find interesting about Oath of the Gate Watch is they say, you know, quote that it was supposed to be like a very two-headed giant-friendly set, multiplayer-friendly. A lot of cards. That surge mechanic is very interesting. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can't help but think this is also a pseudo gift to the commander community. For those of you uh, that are listening to our show, this first episode, we should tell you that we are both very much commander enthusiasts. Mm. Uh, I personally believe that or, or it Elder is, Dragon Highlander. Yeah, if that's it was your purlon. Once called. <laughs> um, I, I honestly think it's the best form of magic, and I'm 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 always upset that the French are the only ones that have really a competitive format of it. Though, F and M's can now be sanctioned as commander tournaments. That they can, which is great. I'm um, sure it'll bleed in soon enough. I mean, there's enough fan base here. It's just a matter of you know, <laughs> it'll be funny. Like you know, years from now, you know, we'll have a, a commander GP or something like that. Or... Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would. I would <clears throat> I might just drop my job and go competitive. Like I would be. I don't tempted. think you need to do that. You I would need be, to take days off. I would be. I would be minorly tempted if <laughs> if that kind of happened. But anyway, my point being is, I, I I do feel that this set sort of caters to the commander community, specifically with the colorless lands, because if you think in a commander set for the longest time, people had been using these legendary creatures, like you know the old Kozlik or the old Olamog. Um, as their commander in a colorless EDH yeah. deck. Now, uh, in EDH, if you, as a listener, do not know, you can have a hundred card. You have to have a hundred card deck. One card of which is your commander. The other ninety nine cards have to be single cards, except for basic lands. Anything else must be single. So before this set, if you made a colorless commander, 
you had to have for every land it had to be a separate distinct land because there was no basic colorless land which for a lot of people is very expensive and especially if you're not you know if you don't have a large collection you know, you're searching for everything you could find, whether it be a shock land or a, a dual land or anything, you know, in between that will suit your needs. Right. But I mean, if it's colorless, you can't even use them. Those yeah. are colored too. I no, mean, you had true. to, you had to really, that's, that's, that was the key is you had to find something that would really cater to you and you had to have enough. I mean, we're talking a, um, a regular EDH deck somewhere in the vicinity of 40 lands. Yeah, about. So, <clears throat> so you figure 40, 60, 40. Singleton colorless lands i mean that's asking a lot also there's the the ramp question as well cards colorless cards like solemn simulacrum that would pull a basic land from the deck kind of meaningless there's no way to ramp you can't pull out your own but now with this set you have all all the wastes you could ever want right they're definitely i could definitely see uh definitely see that you know wizards is definitely showing the commander community that they they care Right. Um, well, without actually saying it. Exactly. Like well, they're like, we care, but you know, we're still we're, we're still not, not going to sanction this yeah. officially. <laughs> we're just going to care low key. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're mixing this in, and you know, you'll love it, but you know, just don't don't get too weird about it. All right. Right. <laughs> you know, and one card in particular from this set that I wanted to bring up, I actually have it here. I pulled it. Uh, this card, Matter Reshaper, mm. uh, costs two of any mana and one colorless mana, is a 3-2 creature. Its ability reads, it's an Eldrazi, by the way. <laughs> its ability reads, when it dies, you reveal the top card of your library. You may put that card onto the battlefield if it's a permanent card with converted mana cost three or less. Otherwise, put that card into your hand. So that's a lot of power, especially for a three drop. I think it's like that's insane. I think it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're if you have some other uh, cards that you need to pull, and it, it lets you filter. At worst, it's <laughs> a draw. Exactly. At best, you're dropping something utility, something useful. I mean, if you're playing, it depends on the type of deck you're playing. Obviously. Oh my god! I mean, if, if you drop playing. like a soul ring, and like you could drop this, you know. I'll drop a, you know, just one, one t- activation of like, especially since it's all colorless. Right. And it's, it can be put in any deck. And I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, in oh, terms you, of like, you didn't even mention that they, uh, they went back and they retconned a lot of cards to include the colorless mana symbol in, uh, gatherer or whatever. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, now a lot of people have to keep, bear that in mind that, especially since it has to be paid with the colorless mana symbol. They have to be aware of what will generate it and what only generates one, you know, generic mana. I exactly. guess what it would be called now. Yeah, <laughs> and and I just this matter reshaper. I just feel like might have a very strong presence in modern mm-hmm. and even maybe even standard play. Have you seen modern recently? Yeah. No, why would change? Oh my god. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, so I was gonna bring this up later, but since you bring it up now, uh. Prep, the, they recently had a pro tour, Oath of the Gatewatch, in Atlanta, Georgia, um, which was, and this this pretty much caused rumbles throughout the entire Magic community mm. because six out of eight of the top eight decks were Eldrazi. Oh yeah, Eldrazi aggro decks. That's awesome. So now the question on everyone's mind is, how do we stop the Eldrazi? 
because this is <laughs> such it's so, they have oh, so how, much... <laughs> how very how very um, paralleled to the storyline of magic especially when you have cards like uh, dismember uh, which is a very easy you could throw in any colorless deck it's very easy to use you know just just uh, card elimination oh man they're bringing back gemstone caverns <laughs> that's yeah, great because you could add a colorless mana to your mana pool and you know, it's uh, oh because direct kind is colorless instead exactly. of one. Exactly. So either you're getting it, either you're getting it first turn, and you're putting it out for like the colored mana. Yeah, pretty much. That's no, great. Just, yeah. This has caused people to say, you know, they're actually there are people petitioning to unban certain banned cards just to get that power back into the the colored area. Because colorless cards are so powerful right now because of all this colorless land and these Eldrazi that the balance has shifted too mm. much. And, um, you know, there's just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny, to be honest. Especially when, you know, you have, like, the top magic theorists being like, how do we stop the Eldrazi? How do we, in the current climate of the magic game, stop the Eldrazi? Like, you can't. That's it. You can't. Everything, you know, so unless ma- uh, Wizards does something really over the top to kind of counter this uh this is you know i feel like the next couple modern uh tournaments are going to be dominated by Eldrazi. Hmm. but i could be wrong uh, magic community is very you know ingen- they have a lot of ingenuity they have a lot of resourcefulness someone will find a way i feel but until then <laughs> it's it's just pretty funny that you know <laughs> Number one, Eldrazi Aggro. Two, Eldrazi Aggro. Three, Affinity. Four, Eldrazi <laughs> Aggro. So, you know, it's just Eldrazi or Affinity. Take your choice. I'll be interested to see kind of where Wizards takes it if mm-hmm. Eldrazi is the current climate. I would definitely be, uh, I'd be... I'd be pretty interested to see if they, instead of the normal five Commander decks for Commander 20... No, since 2015 is already out, for 2016, maybe they'll release six Commander decks... And the sixth deck would be a colorless commander, but I think that would be pushing it a little too far. I don't think it's going to happen. Because <laughs> that I would... Wouldn't, <laughs> I would No way. No way. That would put a little too much power in colorless's hands. I, I'm just interested to always see what they do with like the next commanders. I think commanders are always interesting, which kind of segues us to something else I wanted to talk about. The Commander 2015 set that came out a couple months ago. I really did enjoy kind of the cards that were a part of the 2015 set. I like the idea of experience counters. You know, I always I get distracted by shiny real yeah, fast. Of course. So when something new comes out, I immediately want to just work with it and build with it. And upon looking at all the commanders and how they all use common typed counters, experience counters, I really did want to make like a five color ridiculous deck. I was like going to make like a, a counter booster like, deck. Yeah, like based on experience counters, and I would have had to choose some. I think the commander I was thinking of would just be Progenitus, just because uh. that's just never a bad commander to have if you're going five <laughs> color. But like building it around these Child experience Alara, things. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's just I I really did want to build it, but I ended up going with uh, Mirren of Clan Toth because. The Grixis color. Yeah. Grixis is the... Yeah. Well, not Grixis. It's uh, Golgari. 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 Sorry. One less color. <laughs> um, I think that Marin is... Uh, I, I just... I think she's fascinating. You know, uh, Rocco, our friend, mm. Mutual, uh, he built a deck with her, and that's kind of what inspired me to build mine. It's a kill deck. It's just... there's It's a bunch of kills, a bunch of wipes, a bunch of, like, screw you cards, 
and then she comes out and then I kind of like kill my own creatures by using sack engines stuff that makes you know but like, in, like attrition and in a black and green color set I mean don't you still lose out to control you know I haven't play tested it enough but it, is it fast enough to beat like, it was pretty quick the couple times I played it mm-hmm. it still couldn't beat my America commander who is just great she just <laughs> Of course, because, I mean, you get all the control of white and blue and, uh, you know, whatever target spot destruction you need from red. Right. Narset, the Enlightened Master. She, uh, first strike hexproof, 3-2, 6 to drop. All she needs to do is attack once in my deck, and the deck just goes off the chain. I mean, top four cards get revealed. I can cast them as long as a non-creature. I have all the extra turn cards in there. I have a bunch of, like, double attacks to make, you know, the next four, the next four, the next four. So, you know, Marin couldn't, the Golgari Marin couldn't keep up with America so much. But yeah. even then, like, not many decks can. I feel like, um, I don't know, maybe in, maybe not in a one on one fashion, but maybe in a more multiplayer format, it might serve, it might have a better chance because people will be focusing on other, uh, decks perhaps. Yeah. I, cause, you know, you know me, I'm, uh, I love me an ag- a creature aggro deck. It's my, it's my thing. Right. Uh, green is my favorite color, so. Uh, definitely, if all those commanders from that set, I definitely would have uh, built a Marin deck as well, probably, mm. or at least pulled cards from that. Um, but you know, uh, and you know, I, I, I suffer a lot from the having you know control so much so that I built a commander deck that every single card in it could not be targeted by yeah. spells or abilities. Yes, you did. And it was one of I my favorite. It was one of my favorite decks. <laughs> I really should go back to it, kind of like refine it. Turn it to something that I can really use. As much as Jengus likes uh, <laughs> his green, crazy aggro creatures, I love control. I am very much a blue player. And, and somehow we're friends. It's, that's <laughs> so I, I think I think Jengus got tired of facing my ridiculous control decks and was just like, you can't say no anymore. <laughs> Created this can't, be countered. <laughs> can't be countered. Immune to spells. I counter your counter with my counter that can't be countered. <laughs> Oh, geez, but yeah, I love me. Red and green would probably be my red, green, black, because Sarkin Vol, I don't know. <laughs> He's a cool guy. Speaking, of, speaking of Planeswalkers, you know what really uh, I, th- I thought was interesting about Oath of the Gay Watch? There was no new Jace. Yeah, that is very strange. You know, of all the ones that... Another Chandra, but not a new Jace. Another or- Chandra, another Nyssa... Uh, I think, was there, there was a Gideon in the last, yeah, uh, in the previous? I believe so. In Rise of the Eldrazi, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, I think Korra, the, uh, the mermaid, uh, Planeswalker, had another card. Right. Um. And yet, Jace, who we all know Wizards is actually just in love with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because there's, like, always a Jace in a set. I was shocked. I'm to- sure there's going to be a Jace in, uh, Shadows Over Innistrad. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I think what was... You know, yeah, here we go. Battle for Zendikar was Gideon ally of Zendikar was ally Gideon. Um, I have him here. He has an oath and everything. Hey, well, that's what I was they saying. They didn't make a card for him. He was part <laughs> of... So he he's he's in Battle for Zendikar, and he's part of this oath. So it made sense to me that they made a Nyssa, and that they made a Chandra, because they're part of the oath, too. Meanwhile, Jace has an oath, and he did not appear in either set. As a Planeswalker form, don't get me wrong. I do think they need to lay off the Jace Planeswalker cards. I mean, it's 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 it gotten, comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten a bit much. But uh, that's part of this narrative that 
Wizards is kind of going for. I think is Jace is their, just their main character. Pretty much. I mean, he is very central to a lot of plot lines. Uh, when it comes to Eldrazi, you know, in the next set with Shadow for, over, uh, Shadows over Innistrad with uh, Liliana. Uh, Liliana? Lillian? Liliana. Yeah. Anyways, with her storyline of like her curses, and she needs Jace's help to break the curse. So she's going back to Innistrad. You know, like uh, so. You know, how do you how do you, what do you feel about like them revisiting so many planes so quickly? It seems strange. Seems like you know they're trying to get a lot of people back in. Maybe they. I don't know if they feel like they need to. Like they need to bring back these like these settings that people liked. And then, or, or is it just part of lore? You know, is it just the lore called for it? I just, I what find comes it, first in wizards? You know, lore or? I mean, what comes first is money. You know, obviously. I mean, like, let's 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 be real here. We can. This is with any company, not just Wizards of the Coast, but I mean, any company in general is going to be about money first. Mm-hmm. So, I understand that there is probably some. Some some research marketing that they paid for that some guy was like, people love going back to things they've been to before. We got to pump out a set that... What was your favorite to. set? Right? Innistrad, because you had those werewolves. Well, I mean, I also think I also think a lot of that success probably came from returning to Mirrodin. Oh, that yes. When Mirrodin went New Phyrexia, I think that was a very successful set. A lot of good cards came out of that set cards that still see a lot of play now and i i think that that set probably gained a lot of traction because it was returning to a plane and then i think they just sort of went off the rails with going to these planes it's not even like we're visiting a plane that we haven't been to in a long while like it's Innistrad like, was just a couple of years yeah, a ago a couple blocks <laughs> yeah it's really like not that far i mean next they're gonna be like you know let's go back to uh theros again oh my god like, we're, ju- like we we're just there <laughs> hey we messed up all your gods and your pantheon but we're back <laughs> you know meanwhile what i'd be more interested to see would be for them don't kill es- elspeth again yeah right <laughs> I would be more interested to see them return to Alara. Ooh, that would be interesting. Uh, with all the color, we could get more multicolors back in. I mean, Consultar Kira... It helps. It, hel- it, it made, like, Commander really, like, strong with all those color it, multicolor cards. It definitely did. And <laughs> the Tarkir block was sort of like a version of Alara, so to speak, because you mm-hmm. had, once again, those trip lands that came in, you know, that you can tap you had those, mana. The, the clans and- had their color affinities right so i mean it had that feel <clears throat> but i would definitely be interested to see what the return to alara would be like mm-hmm. especially now i mean if you look i mean put on my vorthos glasses real quick if you look at the the way the storyline is going um you know we have two of the three eldrazi down still trying to get that third eldrazi right mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure and then you know we need soren to do this, the Hadron thing, to get them all sealed away again, but Soren's missing, so we have to go find Soren. And, you know, Jason, you know, Liliana's on the on the case, um, and they're going back to Innistrad, so will we see another Soren? You know, will we see, uh, will uh, Avison have another card? Um, you know, a lot of, I mean, we'll talk more about Shadows over Innistrad and when it's you know spoiled more because I think right now it's only it's only like a handful of cards have been revealed from right. the set uh, out of you know two hundred you know plus cards so we can't really say for sure what the set's going to be but from what we have seen the cards flip again we have the flip cards are back because uh, Crown Horde Howler as you can see has the uh, has the symbol 
the moon symbol. Right. So it it is a flipper, and you know, only time will tell. You know, wizards is weird. Sometimes they do things we don't really expect, and sometimes they do things exactly how it was before. I mean, I'm I'm almost positive we will get another Sworn Planeswalker after the set. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But I, I, you know, I like when we get more Planeswalkers. Hell, I like it when we get you know, I want another Garuk because I love Garuk. He's my boy. You know, but you know, I don't think his storyline ever resolved. <laughs> he's just still like cursed. he's still cursed. I mean, if 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 she's in, if Liliana's involved, he should be involved because they're kind of intertwined in their in their fates. Yeah. So I want to see another Garuk. Um, you know, I want to see cool werewolves again. I love making a werewolf deck. I mean, I like you know sometimes I like playing standard. It's fun. It's fun and it's quick and limited. Limited's fun too, just to make you know. Take what you have and try to make something cool. So we'll we'll see if time allows, money allows. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, well, I mean, money's always an issue, but I mean, we'll definitely look at the set. Limited is fun. Limited is a lot of fun. I've you know, I I've always played around with the idea of cubes. I like the idea of cubes. I built a cube once upon a time, if you remember. I do. And it was a nasty cube. It was, but it was like <laughs> it's a power knight in there. <laughs> well, I mean, like. In my opinion, a cube should have, you know, obviously the best cards, best of the best. But it's just, um, I think any limited format is just a lot of fun. I just hate, you know, I think the worst is those competitive tournaments, like the one I went to the other, by the other day, of course, I mean like three, four months ago, but I went to that limited tournament and I just remember it was uh, some level of competitive where uh, it was sealed. After you cracked your packs, you had to write down what you cracked and it was a pass. Because, you know, how they do it is they, they want to make sure that nobody cheats Sorry, what they open. you guys can't see, but I made like a look, like a say what kind of look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that is the higher level competitive tournaments. When you play in a sealed, it's not, you don't keep what you crack. You crack your packs. Yeah. Um, you have to mark down exactly what came in them. And then you hand it to the judge, and the judge then redistributes them to the other players. That's crazy. Right. But that way it prevents you from slipping in cards because, you know... They have they have a list that says exactly what was cracked in these packs, and it's not like you know who's going to get your pack, so if you can't like slip a card in for a friend, <laughs> cheaty face. Right? <laughs> so I mean, I understand why they did it, but I just remember I went to this tournament, and you know, I'm I'm pretty lucky, I like to think, and I, I cracked open just like the sweetest cards. It was um, it was a battle for Zendikar competition, and I just I, it was just like the sweetest couple packs, and then. All of a sudden, like, I had to, like, toss them away to somebody else, and what I got in return was just bunk. <laughs> it was just it was just bunk and gunk, and I got nowhere in that tournament. Yeah, so. I think i much rather prefer um, just your standard, um, you know, weekend release kind of tournament where it's just... Uh, maybe, maybe it's just I'm lucky. I've had, uh, I've had a lot of experience with a good store that was very friendly, very welcoming to newer players. So, you know... You had your your standard like take your card pass take your card pass yeah sometimes you would rare draft because they really wanted that card mm. but you know I think it was just a much more fun environment I don't I've never experienced cheating in any of I mean as far as I know in any of the games that I've played but uh, you know I guess I guess once you get to that higher competitive level people really want to win and uh, you know I say it like that but some people are like of course you want to win it's just you know. It's a game, man. Let's have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, well, that kind of ends our uh, magic segment yeah. for this episode. We're moving on to Dungeons and Dragons. Moving on to magic in a different sense. Yeah, right. All right, so moving on to Dungeons and Dragons, uh, some D&D. You know, we have a regular game. We do. Uh, about once a month. About once a month. We're a little behind. We're still in the uh, Dragon, uh, the Tiamat. Uh, I think there's one more after this. Yeah, it's Horde of the Dragon Queen. Horde of the Dragon Queen. And then when we end that, we go to the Rise of Tiamat. But Dungeons & Dragons, you know, I think has has had an interesting start. And I say as that... As far as the, the new... Fifth edition. The fifth edition. D&D Next. Um, what I find sort of fascinating about this whole fifth edition startup is they seem to be releasing very little Ferunian content. Even though it's their main, their main universe. Kind of universe. I mean, they brought Greyhawk back, which is cool. And, of course, Eberron is sort of pseudo still around. <laughs> you but hate Eberron. I do. But, <laughs> I love Eberron. But as, as cool as, as, as Forgotten Realms is, I just... I find it weird that they're not coming out with a straight-out campaign setting. Like, the closest we've gotten is the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, which, if you have a 3.5 Forgotten Realms campaign setting, there's not much in the book that you don't know already. Pretty much, especially if the old books... The old books had, like, a wealth of knowledge. If you look at the 3.5 campaign setting for Forgotten Realms, I mean, that thing is, like, an encyclopedia. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, like, Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, while informative and a great way to sort of introduce the new areas and what's changed, really, like, there's not enough different. Most of it is just, hey, you know, we sort of royally messed up with 4th edition, let's go back in time and pretend like nothing happened. But not really back in time, just metaphorically, like... I wonder if it's kind of wizard... I mean, the wizard's definitely taking uh, an interesting strategy, like you said, with this, this set, this... Not set. But per edition, se, edition uh, compared to previous editions, uh, but even then, previous editions were uh, you usually got a campaign setting and an adventure. Maybe sometimes you would get a player's handbook, maybe. But definitely, they're they're going for. I don't know if it's trying to get more people in, so they're trying to release these kind of small content releases. Maybe they'll circle back around and uh, you know release uh, release more in the universe, or maybe they're relying more on the community to kind of. Con- to kind of provide that, um, you know, with the recent release of the SRD, you know, the, oh, the, man. the full that SRD. Took, that took forever. <laughs> the SRD, like, I was waiting for that, and I'm I'm shocked how long it took for them to put the SRD and the OGL out. I should probably... For those that don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, system reference document, which it is, is essentially um, a, um, a watered-down version of Dungeons & Dragons rules. So third-party developers and publishers can use Dungeons and Dragons content to create their own version of the game. If you're familiar with the game Pathfinder, Pathfinder was created using the SRD and OGL for the third or three and a half edition, 3.5 edition of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So they finally released the SRD. I mean, I remember with fourth edition, it was like released like day one, SRD was out. So people speculated whether or not Wizards was going to release the SRD this time around, or if they were done with, you know, having the SRD and the OGL, open gaming license specifically. Well, Um, a lot of it had to do with their, I don't want to say greed per se, but like... No, that's exactly what (laughs) it had to do with. they, They wanted to work, they worked with a third party to try to develop their own app per se, uh, app to provide the rules in a more mobile form so that people would subscribe to it and 
pay money to get the rules anywhere they want, as opposed to having it in a digital format like the SRD would normally provide. Right. Um, you know, but they they tried, they failed. You know, they, they a lot of people were disappointed, a lot of people were angry, me especially, especially because I was really looking forward for it because it looked so good. Thankfully, the company has kind of done their own thing now, and, you know, they seem to be getting something out there. I don't really follow it now. But, um, you know, I think I think another thing that scared them a lot was Pathfinder. Oh, of course. Because Pathfinder had such huge success when 4th Edition was flopping, and everybody was kind of, I mean, I flopped to Pathfinder as we're sitting here doing this podcast. I mean, I'm looking on my shelf over there with those Pathfinder books that I bought, you know, because it was really a, an improvement on Dungeons and Dragons as a, as a format, as a game. And, you know, 4th Edition really was not. 4th Edition was kind of like World of Warcraft yeah. tabletop. MMO style D&D yeah. with abilities. And you know, they thought they were <laughs> simplifying and making things streamlined, but really they just kind of, you know, screwed it up for everybody else. Well, you know, but it's funny, though. Perception is a strange thing because we grew up with 3.5, 3 and 3.5. Some people actually grew up with 4th Edition. 4th Edition was one of their, you know, they liked 4th Edition a lot. It's strange to think about from I, our point of view, but you know, and fools. I, I know, I know they exist. You know, fools. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I uh, I know that Pathfinder I think definitely scared them because you know the moment they released the SRD and the OGL, you you can have a company rise up and and kind of take take your base, take what you have going. But I also think that's why the SRD this time around is so skimpy. Like if you look at it, it's missing. Like I think like Wizard as a class. In the actual book, you have all these, you have an arcane tradition, in other words, a specialty for every school of magic. Like, you can be like an abjuration specialist, or, you know, an evocation specialist, or a conjuration specialist. In the SRD, they only give the option of the evocation tradition. It's so strange. It's almost like the basic rules. Yeah, similar. <laughs> very, very similar in that sense, where it's just like this very watered down, toned down version. Same thing with all the races. The races have, like... They don't have all their variations. They don't have all their variations. They have maybe one variation, That's, if all. That seems like a waste. So, I mean, <laughs> I think they're, like, really, like, restricting what people can use this time around, which I, I think is, you know, in some ways kind of just hysterical. I mean, I feel like this is them trying to protect their brand. So, you know, I hate that term. I hate that I, term so much. I get it. <laughs> I totally get it, though. Like, I understand it. I'm, I'm not going not to... It's just more of... I'm, I'm thinking about what is it that I would like to see now that the SRD is released. So Fantasy Grounds is the software that came out on Steam, day one, like, SRD content. So obviously Wizards had worked with them. Clearly. Um, they ha And they have a contract with Wizards because they have the full content, not just SRD content. They have, like, the full content on there. You can even buy the modules that they've released, like Horde of the Dragon Queen, and you can buy Tyranny of Dragons... Everything costs money, like every book, every supplement, and it's and the and it's like almost the same price as the hardcover copies of the book. That's ridiculous. And not not to mention, I I ran a demo of the app on my computer, and it looked like an app that was like it was it looked like it was made in 1995. You know what this looks like? It looks like Hero Forge because like they have like Savage Lands and they have like uh, Pathfinders even in here. It and like it, but like. It literally looks like an app, like just the design of it, like as you open it up on your computer, looks like it was built like in 1995. Yeah. Like reminds me like Zork Nemesis. Like there's right. like, 
the just the graphic quality and the quality of like what they offer looks so basic and so dated especially when people like roll 20 offer a similar format not so much with all the rules involved but a tabletop interface for free right you know that you don't have to pay an egregious amount of money to especially since each person has to buy it that's insane right it's like 36 dollars and that's not even like with everything included it's just the base you know, probably that and D&D, $36. Yep. And everyone has to buy a $36 game and I, I'm, I'm, for something you can play with pens and paper. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I I am of the strong belief that Dungeons & Dragons is something that should be played in person. You know, I, I, I played internet games before, and that's fine. That's great. And if you live far away from the people you're playing with, I get it. You want to use Skype. You want to have an online game. And I think if you had to have an online game... I think Fantasy Grounds might be a good means to run it, maybe. Maybe. I think Roll20 might still be the better option, just because, you know, free. Especially since you don't... Since having everything... It does... I I will say this for the demo. It literally does have everything there. Yeah. Like, you you don't need... With Roll20, you're still talking... You know, you have this free tabletop interface, but you're still talking all the books, or at least PDFs, in front of you, sifting through material... Time and energy wasted if you don't have it prepped, um, flipping through pages. Yeah. Whereas with, I did notice that so, with this Fantasy Grounds app, when you load up a module, say there's a room, and in the room there's 10 goblins. The encounter is there. You click the goblins. Their stats are there. Everything is ready to go. So you you don't ever have that's to. That's the difference between something you pay for and something that's free. Exactly. <laughs> um, you pay for the... Convenience. Exactly. But the problem was is the interface not only looking dated in terms of the graphics and models, it also like on a laptop, I mean this laptop is seventeen inches, which isn't you know, a very small laptop. It's a decent sized screen. Yeah. On a seventeen inch monitor, it was like I just didn't have enough space. I'm going through this fantasy ground app and I'm just thinking I don't know how I would just manage all the space for everything. Sure there's like shortcut keys and like stuff like that that was the other thing learning curve huge oh that's with anything it's, you know well 20 is just really drag and drop yeah that's true um you know but that's just the direction they wanted to go uh, i step i mean for some people i feel like fancy grounds is more n- new ish player friendly so to speak because a lot of things will be provided for you that you don't have to calculate on your own uh, which is good for some people who just want to play. They don't want to have to do math. They don't want to... Just, <laughs> don't, you know, don't make me do math. <laughs> I want to just play make-believe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a big orc. I just want to do so the role much. plays and have the sex with the women. So. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, this is more for like people who want things to be prepared for. Well, there's that. There's an audience for that. You know, Some of us prefer to do it the hard way. We, lo- we like the challenge. We like to have things prepared, you know, to prepare our own stuff and like weave this, you know. I just, I really just felt like it was such an unwieldy program. But getting back to my question, which is what I'd like to see from the SRD, I feel like Fantasy Grounds is like the idea of what I want to see from the SRD. I just don't want it to be, like, I just think that program failed at it. Like, I, uh, I know Hero Lab, which I used for a while back in the Pathfinder. Uh, I gave you the, the key for it, and we were using that for, you know, character creation. Because um, I bought the extra key yes, for it. Yes, I remember. Uh, I just bought the basic SRD version of 5th Edition for it. So I can create 5th Edition character. 
and you can modify and add user content. It's their way of, and they, they promoted that a lot because it was their way of saying, hey, look, we're not going to be able to give you everything because the SRD is pretty skimpy. So <laughs> you can edit and add your own stuff, which is fine. And I've been playing around with it. But one thing I would like to see is I know Hero Lab is, is working on their own version of it, something similar in nature to Fantasy Grounds. So kind of like a tabletop interface more in, in so, addition to their character creation tools? More so in a sense that um, for our listeners who don't know, we're currently doing our podcast around a gaming table I got from Board Game Geek. Got the plans of, at least. I built it. Um, not my plans, though. Not my specifications. But it has a TV, flat screen TV, smack in the center of the table. Specifically for the use of Dungeons & Dragons. Project the maps up. Don't have to spend time you know, writing or drawing maps. I can have a visual interface for my players to send images onto. I want an app that caters to what I've created. Mm -hmm. You know, I want an app that can streamline the process. Right now, I think Roll20 is what I'm using or what I'm going to use. But even then, it's not, it's not perfect. And it doesn't do everything I wanted to do. I like the idea <laughs> that Fantasy Grounds had of, you know, Fantasy Grounds has this, the idea that you can buy the module and have the entire module loaded with all the images, all the handouts, all the encounters preloaded and ready to go. That kind of convenience is fantastic. Indeed. But does not cater to playing on this table that I built in on this screen. The second screen experience, I tried that too, and it doesn't really work well. Especially, maybe I could get it to work better if I was not a Mac user. Probably. Um, because as a Windows user, I'm sure I could open up two instances of the program. Yeah. And then I could drag and drop one instance over and the other... That's what I'm doing essentially with Roll20 on my Mac is I'm just using two different internet browsers. I'm going to use a player internet browser for your screen, the player's mm -hmm. screen on the table. And then my DM, like Chrome will have my DM. Safari will have my player version. Drag Safari over to the big screen on the table. Why are you giving us Safari? Because I get Chrome. That's mean. Hey, man. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> one instance. There can only be um, one instance. Um, but yeah, I can see what you mean. You know, um, you know, you want, yeah. I'm sure someone. You know, I don't think anyone will ever. Have, I mean, that might be something you have to make on your own kind of thing. I mean, you do you are in a sense with the Roll Twenty interface with uh, Fantasy Grounds. You might also get. Well, I don't know if they actually have Steam achievements, but you might get some of those fancy new achievements that uh, they release. Uh, no, it does not have achievements, but. Speaking of achievements. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Speaking of achievements, yeah. Uh, we cannot take credit for these. These were found online. But someone created, some genius created Dungeons & Dragons achievements. There's a whole stack of them here. And I, I think they're... I think they're brilliant. I want to incorporate them into the game. I have a differing uh, opinion. We'll get to that a little bit later. I think... And I, I we'll talk about <laughs> it. But I think that... They're great. I mean, just to kind of like, obviously, they're they're super punny because puns are like what you know we puns, off of. inside jokes, pop culture references, a uh, uh, galore. Right. Like, I mean, one of them is he's dead, Jim, <laughs> uh, which the achievement is to die for the first time in the game, uh, or one mustn't tell lies. Very nice Harry Potter reference in there is calling out a lying NPC. Uh, finish him a reference to Mortal Kombat right deliver 10 coup de grace oh that's awesome which I, which I always forget to do right. I do that more <laughs> um, there's so many here and they're all just 
<laughs> I think they're all just great. Now, I, I Did would I love... do that? Cause a total party kill? <laughs> <laughs> I've been killed before. I don't think I've ever caused everyone to die. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Urkel. <laughs> and then just... Uh, I solemnly swear, get a map. Valar Margulis is experience a total party kill. Not cause it, but experience it. So everybody else <laughs> that you cause to die gets Valar Margulis. She turned me into a newt. Experience a transmutation. I just, I really do think these are all just fantastic. Now, my opinion is though, um, I feel like, because D&D is definitely very much improv. Yeah. You know, you... It's improv acting. Improv acting. You, you know, you, you, you don't know what you're going to do. You just kind of act on the fly. You react to the situation at hand. Right. I feel like with these achievements, some people may... Be like, hey, oh man, I really want to, you know, chop off a whole lot of heads and get that head chopping achievement. I'm going to do that and only that. Even if this person is someone we should interrogate, I'm just going to chop off their head. <laughs> I think, <laughs> but I think that that is... So it may, it may lead someone more towards something as opposed to having a natural role-playing experience. That's up to the player. Mm-hmm. You know, that is on, it is on the player's responsibility to play their character properly you know you can't would would some people be tempted i'm sure yeah they would but at the same time like if you're not playing your character like you can get called out on it but especially if you apply rewards to getting achievements even if it's something as simple as an inspiration i still feel like applying a reward to it incentivizes people to try to get them i'm not sure it's a bad thing i guess i guess it also leads towards Different role-playing experiences. It would, I think it would make the game more interesting. For In terms of what I would give reward-wise for achievements, I think the biggest thing I would give, because I don't want it to be, you know, I, I find this to be very much a, a Blizzard-type <laughs> mentality. But I, I feel oh, like... Oh, man, I got this epic mount from getting this <laughs> achievement. Now I can fly. <laughs> no, I, I, I... I'm only level I'm two. I'm actually... <laughs> I'm actually thinking of going for... Cos- cosmetic is the wrong word, but titles is what I'm going for. Uh. Like like titles. Like in the world of, of, of Forgotten Realms, on in Faroon, there would be... So like a legend would be created. Right. Like a reputation... Like naturally, you get a reputation in the world anyway as, as a hero in my game. Like people get begin to know you. Like in the beginning of Horde of the Dragons, you guys saved the town of Greenest. So there's a group somewhere on the Sword Coast, and, and this, this rumor is spreading about the, the heroes of Greenest, and that's you. And I, I would love to incorporate that sort of idea, like titles, and just sort of add them in here. Like, I'm looking at, just right now, because it's in front of me, I'm looking at an achievement that's called Deus Ex. It says, kill a deity. I would like reward you with the title of the God Killer. Well, of course. You know what I mean? Like, and just I would not expect anything less. <laughs> I mean, just like can you imagine walking into Baldur's Gate and being like, you know, hail, like hail, who goes? It is I, Kurt. Kurt. You mean the God Killer? <laughs> that is correct. Like, and then they just shake in their boots. Like that's just like that. That in my mind is just uh, just great. Like I, I would have so much fun. Just and not everyone would give them, or maybe I would chain some together. And, I, and the other thing is I wouldn't necessarily tell what they were because that's another reason why I wouldn't want it to be a super incentive. Like, you know, I don't... 
Why don't yeah, you think, be like, I want to become God Killer? Oh so my God! Have if to I go find a deity, if and I just get this achievement, him. I get ten thousand gold. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, material reward I think is just out of the out of the question entirely because I think that would push it over the line, and people would go out of their way to get achievements. Like you want to buy a new magic item, you don't have money, but you're like, hey. If I want kill- decapitation away from ten thousand gold. <laughs> Let's just go. What's your <laughs> name, Bill? <laughs> hey, are you relevant to the story? <laughs> hey, hey, you peasant guy on the street, come here so I can mark you. <laughs> <laughs> come into this alley. I have a knife to show you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, uh, poor peasant Bill. Yeah, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like that, I don't want that to be a factor. Whereas I think titles, while interesting, and while an incentive of their own would be more fun, especially if you just, like, spontaneously get them. Yeah. You just happen to do something in-game, and you're like, oh, hey, this was an achievement. And I'm like, great. You now have the title of so forth and so on, and all of a sudden you it's go to some favorite town. favorite Yeah, so forth and so on. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of these naturally come with titles. There's, in fact, a an achievement called Rasputin, which is have three types of impairing conditions at once. That's historical. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I would, I like, that would be a title. Yeah, you would right. be Rasputin. Uh, <laughs> Something not even related to that world at all. Who just thought of it? Unless you're playing Pathfinder in the one uh, module where you went to Russia and you fought Rasputin. Right. <laughs> D20 Modern. <laughs> no, which, it was just straight in Pathfinder. <laughs> I was just saying in, in terms of 5th edition, but speaking uh, of which, did you know that... <laughs> that ain't Falco. That's... That's messed. <laughs> oh, um, tub thumping, <laughs> reach zero HP twice in one counter. You get down. You get knocked you down, get, but then you get, get up, up again. again. Yep. Never gonna keep you down. No, they're not. Uh, these are great. Kudos to whoever you are online that made these achievements. Oh my god, lose the campaign. Why would you ever want to do that? Snake, snake, <laughs> snake. <laughs> Hadouken, lava flaming projectile on an enemy. That's cool. Right, <laughs> they're all they're all just great. But I'm I, I I think they're I think they'd be fantastic to add in. Yeah, they'd be fun. Speaking of D twenty modern though, since I sort of brought it up, do you hear that uh one of, part of the unearthed arcana, which you know we're gonna talk about a little bit about wizards released an updated D twenty modern sort of pseudo class slash campaign setting. I did not know that. Yeah. They have like a you know, gunmancer or something. <laughs> you know, something yes, something like I cast bullets. Very very equilibrium in nature. <laughs> they add it out and they I, I just noticed like they sort of put it out there and it was actually as I was reading it, it was enough to make me stop and be like, maybe I should drop everything and just start a D twenty modern campaign. I just feel like there are better systems for handling modern campaigns. Me too, but uh, you know, like I said before, with the magic cards, I get addicted to shiny. That's true. something comes out and I just go, oh, I want to do this. <laughs> I want to do a supernatural campaign with D twenty modern, right? <laughs> but while we're on the topic of uh, unearthed arcana, we are going to talk a little bit about psionics. Wizards recently released a uh, a version two. They had previously released. A version of this, uh, the psionic class, uh, before uh, it was, you know, just it's all everything in Earth Arcana is like a beta test, so to speak. Um, but they released a version two, uh, which we're going to discuss of the psionic uh, archetype, I guess you would call, or the psionic I, I, I power set. A, I think it's a class. I mean, it's the mystic, the yeah. mystic class, and then the psionic powers. I guess so. The psionic rule set, because 
you know, it's funny. Wizards goes out of their way to be like, psionics are not magic, but except in these cases where it is magic. <laughs> if, it's, if it sounds like magic and tastes like magic, then it's magic. They're like, in, in, they're like but it's, it's from the mind, so it's different. But if you cast it, then it's magic. Um, but, you know, we're, 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 if you want to follow along, uh, you can just, you can Google uh, or web search Unearthed Arcana, Psionics, and the Mystic Take Two uh, is what we're reading off of. We're not going to read it verbatim, but we'll go over some points that we thought were pretty interesting. Right. So they've got it up to level 10 now, the Mystic. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is enough for many many a campaign, at least the first book of any campaign. Right now, I mean, you could definitely use it as sort of a, I guess, prestige class would be the way I would word it. You know, add it as an addition to. Or if your character dies. Just come back as a mystic. <laughs> but uh, it's a fairly standard progression. The most interesting thing that we noticed was uh, the psionic form of cantrips are called talents. Psionic talents. And you only get one in the beginning, yeah. plus I think two more based on your, your psionic specialization, yeah. your order, as I think they call it. Mm-hmm. Mystic order. Uh, and we were looking at some of these psionic talents, and... They seem kind of just almost ridiculous. Like, there's one that's a mind meld thrown, thrown back at Spock over here. They've got the mind meld going on. And you can literally speak telepathically, communicate with anything. Anything. Within literally. 120 feet of you. Creature or, or you know, Rock. sentient being. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it has to have some form of intelligence to communicate with it. You know, it has to have a mind. But it doesn't have to have a language. It doesn't actually have to be able to communicate. And Unless even you want it to respond. Right. But even if it has a language, you don't have to know the language for it to be able to respond to you and for it to be able to understand your telepathic communications. So I thought that that was really interesting. You know, there's a, also, you know, another interesting one was Blade Meld. Or essentially, you can just absorb your weapon. Where you can become a, a Mexican, you know, drug lord cartel type. <laughs> <laughs> Shove that blade up somewhere. I think that's Blade Mule. <laughs> 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 but which that's is, like that's like not something that I don't think anyone would want to uh, I, volunteer for. I really can't. I can't imagine a scenario where I would use that in any other type of situation than nefariously, like like a drug mule. You know what I mean? It's like or like you're going into uh, an interrogation and you want to hide your dagger, right? Or like even like, a sword. You can hide anything. You can hide a great axe in your body. And be like, yeah, in, in your body. <laughs> and be like, <anywhere>. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> and you can pull it out from anywhere. Okay, so I want you to imagine this for a second. Like, there's the there's the king's royal court, right? And you're you're walking through the doors. This in, in, in this huge chamber. You've been checked for weapons at the door. You obviously can't wear armor. This is like a big deal. It's maybe like a royal ball, for instance. And everybody's dressed in their finest clothing uh fantastic threads the 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 opening hall is magnificent as you walk through and everybody's dancing and having a good time and here comes the king to greet you and then all of a sudden you just bend over and pull an axe out of your ass (laughs) (laughs) just mark him right where he stands in front of his entire court like i just can't even six semper tyrannis Just this image of this character just straight up like I know you can pull it from your body anyway you can just make it appear but like I just straight up see somebody bending over and just this handle just shooting out their poop <laughs> shoot and just <laughs> slowly extending it outwards oh, and God. Just, like, time to go 
this uh, mental image will never escape me. It's so funny. But uh, but other than that, I mean, they have a lot of uh, the mystic class, also known as mule. They're they're you know they're trying to make it kind of like a little bit of a, a caster in most sense, like not even like like a wizard or like a druid, but kind of like a little bit in between because they have curing, they have like oh, so the mystic class. Speaking of curing. Has this ridiculous ability? He can where... make some great salted meats. <laughs> yeah. Make some jerky. That's right. <laughs> um, there's this ridiculous ability we found that I think I have to read more into this, and we'd have to play test it to see if it's as broken as I think it is. But the ability pretty much states that anytime the mystic is mystical um, recovery. Yeah, just read it off. Starting at second level, you draw vigor from the psi energy you use to power psionic disciplines associated with your mystic order. Whenever you spend psi points on a psionic discipline of your order, you regain hit points equal to your intelligence modifier if your current hit points total equals half your hit point maximum or less. So it's just whenever you're below half health, keep using your abilities and you'll get health back. Yeah, I just I think that's that's just insane to me. I guess, but you don't have a ton of side points at second level. At mo- you have six, and so at most you'll get six health back. But at like higher levels, the next level up you have fourteen, and like uh, they, they take a lot of strange jumps in power level. We also don't know. I mean, this is only the first ten levels, and this doesn't include God knows what else. For instance, I know that feats are no longer necessarily something that is. That they're they're not taken as much anymore. No, you know because you want that ability to score improvement. But for all we know, there's a feat that comes out that increases your side point pool, and like you take the, that yeah. instead of like your ability score improvement. And it just sort of I just I see ways in which you can just sort of become like this one this one, one man, man killing tank. machine, like yeah, killing <laughs> machine tank, whatever you want to call it. Like this, you could you could just one man something. I don't know. I I think the potential is there for a lot of rules breaking, especially for like min maxers that know how to play with the rules the proper way to I don't think it'll ever be as OP as Sonic's used to be back in 3.5. Oh, I loved 3.5 Sonic's. <laughs> but uh but that. We'll, only time will tell if they'll actually release this in a book form or if we'll just remain an unearthed arcana for you know for time. Uh, so I guess that'll be kind of our our ending point then on uh on D&D for this episode. I think that's a good point. Uh Moving forward to board games. Yes, the last of our topics, but not the least in any extent of the word. So, uh, Jangus and I, we love to play ridiculous board games. Jangus is definitely the more avid collector. He's always bringing something over to my house that's like I've never heard of, and inevitably it ends up being a lot of fun. Um, But I I have a pretty good mixture as well. Uh, But today, specifically, we're going to start with... A modern board game, something that's more recent, and then we're also going to review a retro board game. And we'll start with the modern board game, Avalon. I I don't know if you've played it, but if you haven't, you need to. <laughs> Avalon is one of those like games that will make a lot of friends or get rid of a lot of friends, I feel, depending on how you experience the game. It, it's of the, I think the genre is like role deduction. Uh, because there's a couple games of its ilk now, right? Um, the Resistance universe, yeah. Resistance, more, uh, where you know the werewolf games follow the same kind of format, though a little bit different, right? If you've ever played uh, the game Werewolf with like a deck of cards or Mafia, as it was called, Card Game Assassins is another title for it. If you've ever played any of those variations of games, you'll know 
kind of the basic structure of how Avalon was created. Yeah. You may know who your allies are, but you don't know who your enemies are, and you're trying to deduce who your enemies are before the game. So um, Avalon, just basically, you are knights of King Arthur's court, and you serve King Arthur. Servant of Arthur, as they You're call a servant it. of Arthur, a loyal servant of I Arthur. I am a loyal servant of Arthur, <laughs> and I will reject any quest that I am not on. Uh, you, you, uh, and then the enemies are minions of Mordred, um, and essentially the way it is, you go on a quest. There are five quests, uh, and a certain number of people are required to go on a quest. So it would be three, five, so on and so forth. Depends on the number of players you have in the game. Yes. Um, and, and it's all spelled out. They're on the boards. They give you all the materials you need. And pretty much what you do is you 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 pre- you have to vote for a party. So the person who is the, the voice of the king chooses a party. Everyone votes whether that party is good or bad based on their deductions on who they think those people are. And if the party is approved, then the party votes whether the quest succeeds or fails. You cannot fail a group if you are a loyal servant of Arthur, but you can if you are a minion of Mordred. But you don't have to. The minions of Mordred want to have more fails than successes uh, as far as quests go, and if they get the majority, they win. Otherwise, King Arthur and the, ser- the loyal servants of Arthur win. But at the end of the game, even if the loyal servants have won three out of the five quests, giving them the majority, the minions of Mordred have one more opportunity, because the entire time during the game, one servant in particular, Merlin, has known the identity of all the minions the entire time. So that gives the servants sort of a slight edge if Merlin can play off, play off the cues of Merlin. They can uh, they could try to deduce who the minions of Mordred are because Merlin knows who they are. Right. So long story short, you know, I mean those those instructions that we gave, I guess in retrospect, probably sound really complicated. Yeah. But well, as with most games, I feel that trial by fire is the best way to play. If you pick this game up, Avalon, just. Grab a group of, group of friends. You need five people minimum, and it's not that expensive it, either. It's really not, and you can just start playing it, and it'll it'll take maybe one game to understand it, and then you're in it. But the best part about Avalon has nothing to do with succeeding or failing quests. Has nothing to do with even the the necessarily this not has nothing to do with the specific role that you have, but rather the human interaction. Like yes, people the, get vicious. The role playing, so to speak, of the game, where you are trying to fool your friends and outright lie to the people that trust you. It's just people. People <laughs> get vicious, especially with me. So I went to, I went to college actor. for yeah. I went to college for acting, and so naturally, I am constantly under suspicion. It doesn't matter what I am in the minds of the group. I am always evil. It it just it, it never works out in my favor. I I I am Your evil. Typecast. I am, <laughs> and yet somehow I can still weasel my way out of the situation most of the time. But some there are some games that stick out in my mind that just I remember. I remember that one. I'm not sure if you were there for it, Jengis, but I, I the was, one where you fooled Rocco yeah, so hard. You heard about it, right? <laughs> I was there. You were there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. that was so good. <laughs> It was, I guess it was Rocco, it was you, Phil, and Justin. I believe so. Were there? Yeah. So a bunch of us were together playing Avalon. Uh, that would make sense. That would be five people, right? Yep. So we're there playing Avalon, and we had just finished a game. And we went on to discuss how the first quest in a five-person game 
is almost always guaranteed to succeed. The reason being is because the first quest in a five-person game is only two people. And if, if it fails, that means one of those two people are a minion of Mordred. And there are only two of the five people that are minions. In that, and in that case, you can essentially just blacklist both of those people and attempt to win the game. So usually the first quest of the game, because suspicion between two people having a 50-50 shot at knowing who's who, are it's not good odds. Also, the one servant of Arthur who was in the pair obviously knows exactly who is the minion of Mordred. Yep. It's a very sticky situation. And we just got done saying how that's all of this would combine to create the reasons as to why you would never fail the first quest if you were a minion. Yeah, because it would be very obvious. Right. So flash forward to we're playing the game. The very next game, after we just got done with this situation, Rocco is setting up who's going on a quest. He puts himself on the quest because obviously, you know, good tactics in the game. It's the one tactic that there actually is no logical explanation to deny, which is if you are going, if you are the person deciding who is going on a quest, you would never not put yourself on the quest. Because if it's an odds game and you are supposedly a servant of Arthur, you'd want to put the odds in your favor. Therefore, you'd always want to put yourself on the quest first. And there is no argument as to otherwise, as to why you would not put yourself. So Rocco puts himself on the quest. I tell him, you know, I'm a servant of Arthur and I'm going to deny your quest. I'm not going to vote it through unless you put me on it. But you should put me on it because I'm going to be there with you. And like, <laughs> he was like, all right, let's do this. Because we had just got done with a game where the both of us were servants of Arthur, and like he hadn't believed me in that game, and and not that one game should ever carry over to another. But I was Sometimes totally, it does. I was totally a minion of Mordred this time. Like I was a dirty, dirty, dirty <laughs> minion of Mordred. He puts me on the quest. We just got done talking about how it never fails. I throw in the fail card. Boom! It fails. The expression on Rocco's face was <laughs> priceless. He was His just eyes like, just mixed, bugged uh, out, ex- like. Devastation, amazed, shock, <laughs> and and just and I think I think there was some pride in there, and and just true entertainment because he literally just I remember he just stopped, he sat back, he said I don't even want to argue, I just want to watch what you do. He's <laughs> like I don't care what anyone thinks. You can think I'm a I'm a minion all you want. I just need to just see now that I know the masterful acting. <laughs> That's about to come out of you. And yet still, I was able to, like, throw suspicion and die. Like, it was just great. And I just remember Rocco just clapping for me. Like, that slow, like, <laughs> like golf clap. You the, know? The, the villain. Like, like that really just, <laughs> that just, like, that, that, that defeated, like, I, I yield to you, sir. <laughs> like, it was just so fantastic. And I was still, to this day, probably one of the best games of Babylon I've played. Just because it was the timing of it. It was the timing. It was the fact that we were just in the conversation about it. And then, boom. I just I laid it out there. I did it. And then had to figure out a way to wheeze my way out of it. Which I don't think I did. I think all in all, yeah. I think I think I just Which got is blacklisted. Because, you know, but sometimes. It, but so did Rocco. He didn't get back in the game either. Yeah. It's hard to come back from that. Because you can't really say one way or another right. if, you know... Neither, if they could have both been bad, and one of them just took the fall for it. But you know that's that's how the game is played. You you never truly know until the end, uh, unless you're Merlin. Right. <laughs> unless you're Merlin, and uh, there are other cards that will change the gamescape as well. Um, we're not going to get into them now, but there's optional rules that allow certain extra tidbits and extra yeah. The game has you know, you have more variations, more 
roles, but you know that's just what. It, but it's still great as a base game, which is what makes it really good. Right. Um, I think the only fault I have with the game is it just doesn't cater to larger, larger groups. Because that's, I that's any game really. So I'm you know I teach and I at the end of the year, last day of school, the high schoolers come in. They're really really excited. Um, classes by this point have pretty much ended. You know the material has been taught. It's like a half day. Most of the seniors are at graduation practice. Most of the other students just sort of roam the halls and they're getting their yearbook signed. You know, it's not really a day of education. It's the last you know, day we of made school. It. Is like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, we're done. We survived so, another year. Among many things that I do for them, I, I bring in some games. And one of them I bring in is Avalon because, you know, I, I teach, acting, teach acting. And it's an acting game. And I love playing I love playing it with a group of actors, especially young actors. They get so excited. But like I said, my my biggest issue I have with it is I'll end up having like 20 people in the room that all want to play this game. And I have to be like, you know, sometimes like I go more than 10. of us can really... Sometimes I add the extra cards in and I figure out a way to structure it with more people. But for the most part, like I'm usually just like, it's a 10-player game max. Just have to rotate out, guys. Pretty much. You know, the one, the one cute thing is they always want to have me in the game with them usually even though most of the time they're just all going to try and like gang up on me and like, <laughs> so you know cool teacher oh, but they're like you know oh you're the minion of Mordred I'm like I am a certain farther <laughs> um, I almost lost a student's trust one year because of that I, I remember this one student I had I, w- I was actually a minion Oh my god! But I had like straight out convinced her that I was oh I was a servant. And when the game ended and the minions won, and I flipped my card over, just this look of shock, and she was like, "I'm not sure I can ever trust you again." Oh my and god, like, that's kind of oh. horrible. I was like, "Jeez!" It's like it's just a game. I was like, "I was just playing the game. It's you know, it's just acting." And she, <laughs> acting. Thank you. Yeah, but she, was, she was just she just looked so betrayed, oh. and I was just like, "Oh, oh, oh. good kids." Um, so, uh, uh, you know, we, we're gonna, we're gonna try, you know, in our review system, I think, uh, I think a thumbs up or a thumbs down is probably just the simplest thing. Cause you could put things on a numerical scale, but no. it's really not gonna. Yeah, so. n- numbers mean nothing. So, I mean, Avalon for me, thumbs up. Thumbs up for me. So two yeah, thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Solid game. Go out, buy it. Enjoy it. Play with your friends. Yeah. It's, um, it's really just fantastic. So, Moving forward to the next game review we're going to do for tonight um, to kind of end our, our first episode is I I feel obligated <laughs> due to our title, You Shall Not Pass Go, uh, to review Monopoly. Monopoly, the classic. Yeah. <laughs> I've been playing Monopoly forever. I'll be honest, since I've, I don't want to say grown up, but... I've, I've increased my palette of board games. Monopoly has not been one that I've played for a while, but I always have fun playing it. But then again, uh, I think a you know point of contention is you know a lot of people don't play Monopoly by the actual rules. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of house rules that go into them. I know a couple house rules I normally do is um, if you don't know what Monopoly is, it's possible that you might not. It is a game in which you are collecting property around a board and trying to be the one who has all the property or all the money, having thus a monopoly of the housing market. And, uh, you know, essentially, win- and that's how you win the game. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you win the game, um, you roll you win the game by being a douche and making everybody <laughs> else suffer. 
and you make everyone else bankrupt in this fictional world. You make them waste all their money. You take all their millions. You become part of the greedy 1%. Oh, Jesus. And then you laugh at their misery, and that is Monopoly. <laughs> uh, the movement is you roll dice uh, to move along the board. Uh, when you land on a property, if it's not owned by someone, you could buy it uh, for the cost that is listed on the card. And if you own all the properties on a block, then like the three, they're usually just groups of three. Right, or two. Um, or two. You can build houses and hotels. And when people land on your property, they have to give you money. Right, they have to, they have to pay rent. And the rent is significantly more depending on whether you just own the property or whether you own the Monopoly or whether you own housing on the Monopoly or whether you own hotels on the Monopoly. Now, explaining this game is actually kind of like really weird because I feel like there's not a single person that hasn't played Monopoly. Uh, you know, I just feel like with younger generations. I guess it's possible. You know? I guess it's possible, but... They you could know, probably tell you how to play Cards Against Humanity, but they wouldn't be able to tell you how to play Monopoly. That's probably true. And <laughs> the sad part is we're talking about like seven-year-olds here. But the I have to say that um, when I say I've been playing Monopoly for a long time, I feel like that's a weird statement. <laughs> Because I, f- I feel like I played Monopoly when I was young. Then I learned Monopoly. And now I don't play. <laughs> I just do business with a board game. <laughs> because, like, I've become... When I was younger, my mother taught me I had Monopoly Junior. You know, like, yes. the basic version. And I, I used to always, like, win. And I remember one time, I like, as I started to grow a little older, had to be, like, seven, eight. I, I started to get on the up and up. And I realized, like... My mom wasn't quite doing things the right way. I was like, are you... She was pulling her punches, so to speak. Yeah. And I was like, are you letting me win, mom? And she was like, she was like, yeah. Oh, damn. And I was like, no. I was like, that's not how you play the game. I was like, there are rules and we need to stick to the rules. So we're going to play again. And I want you to play for real this time. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. And then I just remember having the worst day of my life she just this isn't even my final she, form <laughs> my own mother just trounced her eight-year-old son in this little children's board game like she i was i was a puddle by the time she was done and but she taught me a lesson she just she taught me i mean a had to play monopoly but b she just she was like you know this is what it was like this weird life lesson. I can't even describe <laughs> this it. is what losing feels like. like she's just like, yeah, she's just like, this is what you know. You're not always going to win. There's going to be somebody stronger. But you know, it's long an story. Lesson to learn it is. It is especially now when they, everybody's a winner. You get like, <laughs> you know, the seventh place trophy, and it's like, but there were only seventh places. It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, still get a trophy. Like, I don't know. Anyway, point being is, um, she trounced me and. I just, at first I was upset, I was crying, there was tears. <laughs> then I realized I needed to learn. I needed to, like, see what she was doing. <laughs> Why do we fall off the horse, Mr. Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we fall? <laughs> so we can get back up. Uh, but I really do, I needed to figure out a way to sort of, you know, beat her. I needed to win. So I learned. I learned how to play Monopoly. Not when I, when I say play, I mean not just like what the rules of the game were. I mean I learned the tricks. how tricks is a weird word because it's still a game of chance in some regard. You That's can't true. manipulate the dice unless you're like. But a strategy. You were learning strategies. I was learning strategies of the game to the point where I could like beat my mother, and then I did. But now I play a Monopoly, and now I'm the one pulling punches. Like I'll play with my wife, <laughs> and I will have to pull punches and. She's fine with that, but then she says, like, you know, why don't you actually play? And when oh I actually God. play, she hates it. She, like, 
she just she doesn't even want to talk to me by the time we're done because like you know when most people play Monopoly like, like things that I'm talking about here when most people play Monopoly and I don't remember whether this is a house rule or not but the trade system trading properties or people buying properties I think that's a house no I no, think that's, you're allowed that's part of the rules yeah the rules. so Free parking's not a part of the rules right and we'll get to that in a second so the idea is that you can trade properties you can you know buy properties from other people if they already own them so forth and so on with their permission obviously you can't force them to do it but you know, in, in my younger years, in the Monopoly Junior days, when I was like, you know, my mom was handing to me, it would be like, I would be two out of three in a Monopoly, she would have the third. And she would just give it to you? And no, we would trade. Like, I would give her one that she needed, oh. and she would give me that one, so we both get a Monopoly, and it's mutually oh, beneficial. Oh, how cute. Yeah. Then I realized that that is not how you play Monopoly. <laughs> how you play Monopoly is you trade nothing. You just take everything. You buy everything you can possibly buy. You attempt to get a Monopoly, but you never give in, and you never trade. You never give someone so something they need. It is super, super cutthroat. <laughs> and and that is like one of the basic principles of my Monopoly game. And since that time, like it's just the worst. Like my wife will be playing and we're playing Monopoly together and she'll need something. She'll have no Monopolies and I'll have like one or two. And she'll be like, please, I'll trade you like these three properties and just give me that one Monopoly. And I'll be just like, nope. Meanwhile, I'm building hotels on all my properties. Oh my God, you're the worst. Like, oh yeah, like, it's, just, it's just bad. And until the point where it comes to like, she's mortgaged all her properties. Oh my God. She'll land on top of like one of my systems. It'll be like, she'll owe me like, you know, it'll be like, you know, $3,000 payment. She won't have the money. She's like, all I have left are singles. And I'll be like, all right, just give me those two properties that you mortgaged. And you don't have to pay me this time. And I'll drag the game out until I own all the properties. <laughs> I've taken all of her money. And then she doesn't want to talk to me. Oh, Which, you know, I, I don't blame her. You're the worst. <laughs> oh, God damn it. And I, I don't blame her for not wanting to talk to me afterwards. But I just... that That is literally... My mother was just like... She... She instilled this monopolizing beast inside of me. And now when I play, like, that's that's how I play. And the fun part is that now my wife is starting to play that way when we play. Oh, and so now, like, I the remember... The student becomes the teacher. Uh-huh. There was definitely a game we played recently. I mean, as recent as, our, as it can be. Um, but the most recent Monopoly game we played, I, I distinctly remember actually losing for the first time in, like, years. My God. And I lost because... A God King can bleed. You know why I, you know why I actually <laughs> lost? It was, it was the dice. I kept rolling on, like, chance and community chest and things that weren't properties. Mm. But she had learned my strategy of buying, like, everything. And she had landed on all these properties right off the bat and just bought, 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 bought. So by the time I passed go for the first time... She already owned like a good majority of the board, wow. and I hadn't even owned anything yet. Because that's the thing; like, that's, I will that's dice on my first time around. I will literally try and buy everything to my detriment. Like, I mean, I'm talking like, even if I've only made it halfway around the board and I'm almost out of actual cash, I will start to mortgage the properties that I've just bought just to pay for new properties. Yeah, because I just want to own them. Because if I own them, no one else can. <laughs> And that is Monopoly. That's, that is, that's that is how the you core. Do it. That's, you have to have what everyone wants. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's one of those games. That's why I say I don't play Monopoly so much as I do business with a board <laughs> game. Because it's not like... You don't really interact with the other players so much unless you're taking money from them. Right. And, and, and I do get some sense of enjoyment from it. But, like, I never... like. 
the enjoyment comes at the end if I win. Of course. But, like, in the midst of the game, I never really say, like, I'm having fun so much as I'm constantly doing business. And then by the end of the game, if I've won and I have a bunch of money, I've I've had fun. And if I didn't, then it wasn't fun for me. Like, mm-hmm. it's so selfish. Yeah. But I, I think, like, that's, Monopoly is it's a greedy game. game. Yeah. That's the game. And I have, I have three versions. I have um, you do. the Pixar Disney version. I used to own more. I have the Nightmare Before Christmas version, but then I have the electronic version, and the electronic version is interesting because it requires no stack of cash. It like teaches young kids how to use credit cards. There are these little credit cards and a credit card machine, and it remembers how much money you have, and you deduct it, and it's not even like hundreds and thousands. It's like by the millions. Oh my God. Right? So like, like 35 million, you put the card in, you press 35 and subtract it off the account, or you add if you need to add something. You can put two cards in, one on each side, if you need to transfer funds from one person to another. <laughs> like, if you owe me money, because you own my property, you put your card in, I put my card in, and it just transfers. Huh. Yeah. This newfangled 20... <laughs> it's a great way to streamline the game, but there's something about fanning a big stack oh, of cash of in front of your like, face uh, that you're just missing from. A 50? I've got a couple of those. <laughs> I also have a $500 bill. Oh, so that, speaking of 500, so that brings me to the optional rules. So over the, over the course of the years of Monopoly, they have printed in the rule book more and more house rules that are common that people use. But in terms of the house rules I use, I don't mind playing Monopoly completely legit. But we do... Which really, honestly, to a lot of people, isn't really that fun. Right. <laughs> um, but one of the house rules that we do do... Haha, <laughs> <laughs> said doo-doo. One of the house rules that we do utilize here, um, especially f- you know for my wife mostly, is uh, every time free parking is emptied out, we put a five hundred dollar bill huh. in there. Makes and if you sense. land on free parking, because you always want something to be there, right? And, Feels good. And we also play it where if you're paying some sort of tax, like a luxury tax or something, it goes towards the free. Parking. It goes towards the free parking fund. Where in I I think in the I think original game how, I think that's how most people play it. Right. In the original game and the actual rules, all that just goes to the bank and free parking is literally just a free space. Just a space where you have no interaction. Right. Which you don't may have to be pay, good you know, maybe it's, bad. it's like it's like just visiting jail. You don't have to worry about anything, you just you just land there. Um and the other rule, and I'm not sure if this is I'm I'm never quite sure if this is house rule or an optional rule or if it's in the rule book as like a standard rule, but when we land on go like on the space go, we collect four hundred as opposed to two hundred dollars, mm. which I know is definitely I think an additional rule. It but I'm definitely not sure. sounds like an additional rule. Uh, yeah, so that's that. That is pretty much how our Your, house rules how go. The, the, the rules that you use, right? But outside of that, the rest of our game is pretty standard. There's mm. no real variations in terms of what we do. Um, like I said, it's just really cutthroat. <laughs> it's so cutthroat. Sounds like it. How about you? I mean, like, what do you... I, I, honestly, like I said, I haven't played it in a while. Um, it's just... Um, it's not... I don't, per se... I mean, like, in some games, it's fine. Some games, I just don't like the randomness. Some, You know, like like you said, you lost because of roles. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to have a little bit more agency in my game, uh, where I can be like, you know, I can formulate a strategy, and I can... Uh, that's why I like more uh, the term for it is European style games. Right. Um, but we'll get into that kind of discussion at another point. But, you know, for me, Monopoly's really, you know, if someone's like, hey, you want to play Monopoly? I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Go away. No, I don't like you anymore. Let's just stare at a wall. It'll be a bit more interesting. I'll feel like poop afterwards. When, when people <laughs> when people ask if I if I want to play Monopoly, I think my go-to response is that depends if you want to remain friends with me. Because <laughs> by the end of the game, maybe not. But I I do think that you know Monopoly. You know, it's funny that you say Monopoly is a game of chance. It is, and it, it's funny that you mentioned that you like a game with more strategy when. Really, if you think about all the games you talked about tonight, except for maybe Avalon, but even Avalon in some regards, they're all games Game, of chance. In a way. I mean, Magic the Gathering, as good of a strategy as you can have, your deck, what you draw, is chance. It is chance. You can get monoscrewed or monoflooded in a game. It happens. It happens to everybody once in a while, and that is just... It sucks, but that's a game of chance. In D&D... You could, you have the potential, it'd be very, very improbable and very unlikely, but you have the p- potential to roll nothing but ones for the entire night. Yeah, it's, it's there. It's very true. It's the possibility but I guess, is there. I guess what the thing is, um, with those games, the chance isn't like, I guess it is a major factor, but it's not as big of a factor. There are other factors it's, involved. Exactly. You can, you can adjust. In a game like Monopoly, you just have to hope. And, like, you have to hope and, and dream. that like, maybe I'll land on that space and have enough money to buy it. But God knows, I'll probably overshot it by one and I won't land on Marvin Gardens. Because I really need that space. But then <laughs> Dave's going to land on it and buy it and not sell it to me. It's just, it's just not, you know, not enjoyable experience for me, per se. But, you know, right. if, if enough people are like, hey, we're going to play Monopoly, uh, you know, I'm not going to say no, but Just I'm not going to grunt. Pretty much. Maybe hope that I win. Uh, the best two properties to buy in the game forever. And Pro tip. It, it depends. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here it comes. Ready? The best two properties to buy in the game. Now, I'm not going to name them so much as I'm going to name the colors because depending on your edition of Monopoly is going to depend on what they are <laughs> called. But Tatooine and Jakku. Yeah, right? <laughs> The very first two properties on the board after Go, the cheapest ones in the game, the dark purples, they are they are always the cheapest, and if you get them both, they are so cheap not only to buy the properties themselves, but extremely cheap to monopolize and put hotels on. Like, the hotels cost almost nothing, and you can rake in, it's not a lot of cash, but I think it's like, with a hotel on each, it's like... 250 and 450. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's no like, you know, park place boardwalk type deal. But at the same time, people always think I have to get park place and boardwalk or, you know, whatever the final two properties are on your version of the board because they always think those are the most expensive. And if you actually get to put hotels onto them and then somebody does eventually land on them, yes, you will clean up. There's tons of money to be had there. But the amount of time it takes to get those, not to mention how coveted they are. Not to mention how much money it actually costs to work up hotels on them is never really like a part of the game that is, uh, it's not conceivable. It's not something that is... Inconceivable! It is inconceivable. (laughs) It is not something that is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, It's not strategically sound? No. It's improbable? No. Um, I feel like strategically sound would probably be the the closest phrase that I'm looking for but it's just something that it's it's a trap mm-hmm. it's a trap everybody falls into <laughs> it how many more it. pop culture references are going to throw at me we are doing a, we are doing a geek podcast now. <laughs> what do you expect uh anyway Monopoly thumbs down oh uh, I 
I have to give it a, a halfway thumb, but if I have to pick one or the other, I will, in fact, give it a thumbs up. So, you know, your experiences may vary. <laughs> Uh, but I think uh, after that, I think that wraps it up for us on uh, You Shall Not Pass Go. Yeah, thank our, you for listening. Our, uh, our inaugural episode. <laughs> hopefully you'll tune in for the next one. We're going to be doing an episode a month. So in a month's time, we'll have another episode online for you. Talk more magic, more Dungeons Dragons, and we will review two more board games. So thank you for listening. Thank you. Take care. Have a good night.